Praise the Lord. Amen. He reigns. Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 5. The book of Proverbs, chapter number 5. And we are going to read verse number 13, reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Proverbs chapter uh, number 5 and reading verse number 13. Wisdom writer writes and he says, Oh, why did I not listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? This morning I wanted to use for my subject the voice of experience. The voice of experience. Father, we thank you today for the word of the Lord that is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. God, I pray today that you will help us today to glean much from the word of the Lord. Father, your anointing to rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord, today. Give us ears upon our heart to receive. But God, I pray that we would not only receive and hear and listen today, but I pray that we would also heed the word of God and put into practice that which we receive. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, as it was stated a moment ago, in the second service, we are going to honor our graduates. And I'm going to be talking especially to them. And yet today, I want to tell you the same things that I am going to tell them. Because I think that what I have to say to them this morning is also applicable to you and I this morning. Now, most of us ought to know all of these things already, but I, I found out that many things that I know, yet I don't do. And many things that I know I tend to forget or just kind of let fade back into the background. And so from time to time, I need to be reminded just a little bit of some things that I already know. Well, here's what I know this morning, and that is school teaches you many things, but school can't teach you everything. Here's what I know, books can teach you much, and yet books cannot teach you all that you need to know. I also understand that experience is a great teacher, and perhaps experience is the greatest teacher of all. So the admonition that I have to give today, let me say, first of all, it didn't come from some book that I read. Although I have, I have hundreds of books and I've read every single word of most of them. So I'm not discounting books this morning. And yet what I have chosen to talk about today, I, it's not something that I read out of some book. But I have chosen to speak to you today from the voice of experience. Now, I certainly don't claim to know everything, but I do know some things. Now, there is more that I don't know than I do know. Yet, there are a few things that I do know. So today's lesson will be very, very practical, as most of my teaching tends to be. See, if you can't be deep, be practical. Well, I'm I'm going to to omit 
all of the obvious advice today that I could give to our seniors today, that I could give to our graduates. I'm going to omit all of the obvious. You know, like, like, like serve God, like put God first. I'm going to omit all of the spiritual advice that I could give you uh, that you already should know. I'm not going to talk about the fact that you ought to read your Bible every single day. I'm not going to talk about the fact that you ought to develop a consistent prayer life, that you need to talk to the Lord every single day of your life. I'm going to omit the time that I could spend talking about how that you ought to live your life pure. All of these things need to be said, and they are of utmost importance. But I'm going to skip all of that this morning, and I'm going to get to, very, to, to some very practical advice that I have for all of us today, and I believe it will help all of us in our daily life. All right, since I'm speaking to you on the voice of experience, I've chosen to make an acrostic today with the word voice, V-O-I. C-E. You see, we've all learned much from school. We've all learned much from books. We've all learned much from teachers. Let's see what we can learn today from the voice of experience. So for the letter V in the word voice this morning, let me give you this admonition this morning. Value people. If I could teach only one practical lesson on how to become successful in life, it would be this one. Value people. Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 says, Give respect and honor to people in authority. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17 says, To honor all people. The voice of experience says, Value people. Walk slowly through the crowd. My goal as as the pastor of this church is to touch every single person who walks in these doors on Sunday. To physically, literally touch every individual that walks through our doors on Sunday morning. In order for me to get this done, I walk through the auditorium before service on Sunday morning and I shake the hands and greet the people who are here early. It's not very many. (laughs) When I've shaken the hand and greeted the people that are in the auditorium, then then I immediately go to the foyer and then I begin to greet the people who come in. And then, and then when we get to the place in the service for our high fives, during the high five time, I walk around the auditorium and I high five the ones that I did not get in the auditorium and the ones that I did not get in the foyer. Then I walk to the congregation and I high five the people because I want everyone to be touched by the pastor. Now let me tell you that if I walk by you and I high five the person next to you and don't high five you, don't get offended and don't think the pastor don't care about you. I've already touched you. So when I'm walking through the congregation, I am looking, I am searching, I am looking for the people that I have not greeted, I am looking for the people that I have not, that I have not touched, because it is, it is my goal every single morning to touch, physically touch every person that walks through our doors. Because I want every single person who comes on Sunday, 
I want them to know that I know that they are here and I want them to know that I care enough about them. I care enough about them to seek them out and touch them. Now, I can't spend five minutes talking to every person, 400 people or 375 on a Sunday morning. I can't spend five, ten minutes. And sometimes I have to abruptly stop somewhere and go somewhere unless it's a, a real need or something. It's not that I'm, I'm not trying to be cordial to you. There are people that I need to touch. There are people that need to know that pastor knows they're there and pastor appreciates them. Learn this lesson from the voice of experience. Value people. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that people will forgive you for a lot of things if they know you genuinely and sincerely love them and care about them. They'll overlook a lot of things. They will forgive you for a lot of things if they know that you genuinely and sincerely love them and care about them. Somebody said it like this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that what gets appreciated gets repeated. What gets appreciated gets repeated. If somebody does something nice for you, tell them thank you. If your boss lets you off work, to go do something, if he lets you come in late or if he lets you leave early or whatever, if he gives you some uh, something that you need, if he does something for you, show appreciation for it. Don't take it for granted. Because if your boss lets you come in late or leave early or go do something you want to do, let me tell you, they are the exception and not the rule. And you need to know that and you need to appreciate them and you need to recognize them and thank them for it. Here's what I've learned. If you make people feel special, they will act special. If you treat people with respect and dignity, and if you are consistent with appreciation and recognition for what they do for you, most people will will respond to you in the same way. I'm the lead pastor of of New Bethel Church. I have five staff members under me. I am their boss. The staff does not work for the church. The staff does not work for the deacons. The staff works for me. I'm their boss. Although I am their boss, although I have full authority to hire and fire, and I've done both, Although I have the right and the authority to tell them what to do. I still say please and thank you. To those that work for me. I still ask them to do certain things. Instead of. Telling them. Now if they don't do what I ask them to do. (laughs) But I do. I still say please. I still say thank you. I still ask. This is 
what I've learned from experience. Value people. If you are over somebody, treat those people under you right. Because guess what? Someday they might be over you. And if you are under someone, treat your boss right. Because someday you might need a good reference. He or she might be the key to your future. You see, here's what I've learned. When opportunity knocks on the door, it's usually a relationship that opens it. The old saying is actually true. If it's not what you know that counts, but who you know. If you value people, if you treat people with honor, with respect, if you are consistent to show appreciation to people when they do something for you, when opportunity knocks, one of your relationships will step up and open the door for you. What does the voice of experience tell us today? Value people. For the letter O in the word Voice. Let me give you this admonition this morning. Omit unnecessary time consumers. Omit unnecessary time consumers. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, Paul writes, and he says, Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Now, please don't, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying work 18 hours a day. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't do anything unless it is Spiritual. I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying this morning. Decide, decide which are the few things in life that are most important to you and then spend as much of your time as you possibly can doing those things. Let me tell you what I've learned. That is people will tug on you from every direction. People will tug on you from every direction. Society will make its demands on you. There are a host of good things in life. There are few great things. Discover the great things in life for you. And then do them. Don't become so busy with the good things that you don't have time for the great things. For me, God is great. For me, God is 
great and he is worthy and he is deserving of my time and so I'm going to spend some time building a relationship with God because to me God is a great thing. For me, my family is great. I can take you back to a a place where I put ten years of my life Thousands of dollars of my own money, blood, sweat, and tears. I can take you back to that place. And the last time that I was in that place, somebody walked up to me and greeted me like I was a guest. I wanted to say I'm not a guest, I'm Papa. I built the place, my name's on the front door, on the front of the building. There's a plaque, I didn't put it there. There's a plaque with my name on it. Don't you know who I am? I didn't. I just said, no, it's not my first time. At the end of the day, it's all about our God. It's all about our family. Amen. My ministry, for me, my ministry is a great thing. And so I'll pour my life into my ministry. When I say my ministry, though, I mean the ministry I feel God has called me to. Not the ministry that everybody else thinks I ought to have. Remember the story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus was in the home of Mary and Martha? The Bible says that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and she hung on every word as he taught. Martha, on the other hand, busied herself in the kitchen cooking and cleaning. And Martha got mad at her sister Mary because she wasn't helping her. See, see, Martha had the gift of helps. Martha had the gift of hospitality. And Martha said to Jesus, tell Mary to get in here and help me. Tell Mary to get involved in my ministry. To do ministry the way I think ministry ought to be done. You see, we tend to see our ministry as the only ministry. Jesus said to Martha, Luke 10 and 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I want you to notice notice two phrases that Jesus used. He used the phrase many things, and he used the phrase one thing. See, see, people are always telling me what they think my ministry ought to be. People are always telling me how they think the church ought to be. People are always bringing up things that we could do. But 
this book, this seminar, this superstar. The latest and the greatest. But if we're not very careful, we will become like Martha, verse 40 says, she was distracted with much serving. Jesus said in verse 41 that that, that she was worried and she was troubled about many things. If we're not not careful, we will become like Martha and we will allow too many good things to consume us that we have no time for the great things. What does the voice of experience tell us? Omit unnecessary time consumers. Prioritize what is most important in your life and then spend your time and your effort and your talent doing those things. The next letter in the word voice is the letter I. Invite a mentor into your life. As I look back over my life and over my ministry, I... I recognize a few key people who had profound influence on me at different stages of my life. Some are dead and gone. Some are no longer a part of my life. No longer do they have influence on my life on a regular basis. But I can look back at a particular time in my life and they were... They were just a godsend for me for that era and that time of my life. Now, in early ministry, I didn't know what a mentor was. No one was using the term mentor back when I was getting started in ministry. If they were, I never heard it. All I knew was I needed help. I needed some help. You know, when you start pastoring at 17, you need help. You know, when you, when you preach your first funeral when you're 18, I did not know what I should say or what I had no clue. I just knew these people are going to be sad, so I shouldn't say anything about death or dying or anything like that. So I preached a whole funeral and never said a word about death or dying or God. It won't upset those people. I knew they were going to be upset. And I, I, I never heard the word mentor, but I knew, man, I need some help here. I'm over my head and I'm literally going to drown if somebody don't teach me how to swim. So I reached out for some people. And I sought out a few older, wiser pastors and I sought their wisdom. And God placed the people that I needed in my life. At the time I needed them, God placed them in my life. And they were my lifesaver. Because you see, there are two ways to get wisdom. Number one, we can get wisdom through trial and error. Oh, that's three steps forward and two steps back. Oh, that's through experience. But if you learn everything, you need to learn all by your own self, all through your own experience. Let me tell you, you're going to be a bloody mess. Let me help you out a little bit this morning there. There are two ways to get wisdom. You can get one through trial and error. But the other way you can get wisdom is you can borrow some. Find a mentor. 
Find somebody and get some help. Let me give you quickly this morning four qualities to look for in a mentor. Four qualities to look for in a mentor. First of all, look for someone who is positive. Choose somebody that's got a good attitude about life. Choose someone that is positive, somebody that is upbeat, somebody that is not always singing the blues. Find someone with that, with that I can attitude. Find someone that is going to lift you up, not pull you down. Four qualities to look for in a mentor. Number one, look for someone who's positive. Number two, look for someone who's passionate. Find somebody that loves what they are doing. You see, as a pastor, I've discovered that not all pastors, not all pastors are happy in ministry. Sometimes I wonder if there are more unhappy pastors than there are happy pastors. Not every pastor is happy in ministry. Some pastors spend most of their time talking about how bad it is to be in the ministry. Well, then do us all a favor and get out of it. They badmouth their deacons. They complain about their members. And they whine about all the demands of ministry. Well, I just simply refuse to hang out with these types of pastors. The pastors I hang out with are passionate about their ministry. They love what they are doing. So choose a mentor who is passionate about their life, that is passionate about what they're doing. Third quality, look for a person that's principled. Principled. Choose a mentor who has some character. Oh, we're all about talent today. Well, talent is awesome, and we need talent. We also need some character. Somebody that's got a good reputation. Somebody who is trustworthy. Somebody that is worthy to be emulated. And the fourth quality of a mentor, look for somebody who's productive. Productive. Choose a mentor who's doing something. Somebody with a, tr- a good track record. So somebody who, who has some notches in his or her belt. Somebody that's been in a few scraps and has come out on top. Choose somebody that has built something or grown something or breathed life back into something. Choose somebody that's done something. Making an acrostic with the word voice. We're talking about the voice of experience today. For the C and the word voice, the voice of experience would tell you to choose a quality mate. Because your spouse will make you or they will break you. 
You see, the second most important decision that you will ever make in life is who you choose to share it with. Now, we understand that the first and foremost decision you will ever make in life is whether or not to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Back to the second most important decision. If choosing a mate is this important, and it is, then it makes sense to be very, very, very careful and go really, really, really slow in the process. See, I've met a lot of people who rushed into marriage because they had a fear of being alone. And because of their fear of being alone, they took the first one that came along. And they didn't take the time that they should have taken, and they rushed into it. Truth of the matter is, there is something far worse than living life without a mate. It's living life with the wrong mate. See, it's better to be alone than it is to be with the wrong person. And let me, let me tell you that you, you don't get to know a person by spending three or four hours on a date with them on Friday night. The person that shows up for a four-hour date on Friday night is not the same person that is going to show up for marriage 24-7. I mean, anybody can be Prince Charming on a date. Anybody can look like Cinderella once a week at the ball. So let me give you four questions this morning to ask yourself before choosing a mate. Ask yourself, what about their faith? Before you choose a mate, before you go out on a date... Ask the question, what about their faith? You see, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So I ask you this morning, what part of no don't you understand? Paul said don't. Because you see, marriage is hard enough when both spouses are Christians. But when one is a Christian and one is not a Christian, it creates all kinds of problems. Because the sinner wants to act like a sinner. And you're their mate and they want you to act like they act. Such a problem. The sinner will always be... tugging and pulling on their saved partner to act, to think, to desire. Same things they do. Not only do you need to ask yourself what about their faith, ask yourself what about their family? What about their family? Somebody said the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. And I say, and neither does the nut. Well, ask yourself, what about their family? 
But don't just ask, what about their faith? What about their family? Ask this question, what about their friends? Because a friend, a person's friends will tell you much about them. In fact, if you want to know about somebody, just go hang out with their friends. Tell you a whole lot about them. Somebody said birds of a feather flock together. You see, whether you like it or not, we attract who we are. You don't like me? What are you doing here? We attract who we are. Somehow, someway, somehow we're like. Ten years. Come on. Three-fourths of you have come since I became pastor. A few of you hung on even in spite of me, but most of you are here. I was here before you got here. We attract who we are. Oh, we might want to sit out and decide who we want in our church and who we want to rise up. We're going to attract who we are. You might fake it for a little while. You ain't going to fake it very long. Might as well be who you are because you can be better at who you are than faking who you're not. Just be who you are. No, you're who you are because God made you who you are. Doesn't mean don't improve yourself. Doesn't mean, doesn't, I'm not saying it, but I'm saying, basically, God made you the way you are. Be that way. Let God use you the way you are. Amen? We attract who we are. To change your friends, you're going to have to change yourself. And if you change yourself, <laughs> your friends are going to change too. They're either going to become like you or they're going to leave you because they don't like you no more. Because they liked you the way you were, not the way you are. I don't have the same type of friends today that I had 25 years ago. Why? Because I have changed. Fourth question to ask. What about their future? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? What are their plans? What are their goals? Do they line up with yours? What are their priorities? Do their priorities match yours? The voice of experience says you better choose a quality mate. Don't have time to say all I need to say this morning, but let me just throw this in. You must be a quality person as well. You want to get a quality person? You're going to have to be a quality person. And be realistic. Okay? I wish I had an hour on that one. Love to tell you about what Andy tried to tell Gomer about being realistic, but I don't have time to. <laughs> Just don't overexpect. All right, let's look at the last letter in our acrostic of the word voice. What else does the voice of experience say to us today? For the letter E, I guarantee you don't see this one coming. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. You see, whether you are happy or unhappy in life is determined by one thing and only one thing. 
choice. Because happiness is not determined by what's happening. It's not. Happiness is determined by how you choose to respond to what's happening. Happiness is not determined by relationships, responsibilities, or resources. Happiness is not determined by position, prosperity, or popularity. Happiness is a choice. So is unhappiness. I'm unhappy because... Well, there's other people that have worse becauses than you, and they're happy. I've been to third world countries where they lived... All they had is a piece of cardboard to keep the rain off of them. And they come to church and they sing and they dance and they smile and they shout. And Don't give me that. Don't tell me you're unhappy because. Yeah, because. Because you choose to be unhappy. It's a choice. To be happy or unhappy, it's a choice. It is nothing other than a choice. My brother came to see me in Midland, Texas after I'd been there a few years. He looked around and he said, how in the world can you be, un- you can be, how in the world can you be happy here? So, well, we got the same thing that Uncle Jed found. Bubbling crude oil, that is. Black gold, Texas tea. But first thing you know, old Jed's a me- Okay. I didn't, I didn't say that, but we did have that, and that helps. <laughs> I said, I'm happy because I choose to be happy. I'm happy because God called me here. I'm happy because I've gotten a family here. I'm happy because God sent me here. I'm in the will of God. You're in the will of God. I'm happy because I make the choice. I choose to be happy. You see, if you allow your happiness to be determined by your circumstances and situations, you're going to be riding an emotional roller coaster all of your entire life. Oh, you're going to be up and then you're going to be down, and then you're going to be up and then you're going to be down. And you'll spend half of your life hanging on for dear life. And if that's the way you want to live your life, well, just live it that way. But I refuse, I refuse to live my life. Well, Pastor, you got a pretty cotton-picking good life. I do. Thank you, Jesus. I've had a lot. I've had a little. I've lived on Snob Hill. I've lived in the basement of the church. Some people love me. Some people hate me. I make some people happy when I come. And some when I go. It's okay. It's all right. I've decided a long, 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 long time ago I'm going to be happy. And I'm going to be me. And I'm going to enjoy my life. 
What's that, babe? You don't share that with the congregation? I may really have to determine to be happy after the service now. But it's the truth. It's the truth. I have decided to enjoy my life. Pastor, how do you do it? I have a secret formula. How many of you would like to hear my secret formula this morning? Secret formula to a happy life? Are you ready? You're not ready. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Get ready for it. It's really deep. Here it is. And I'm not kidding. My formula for a happy life, do your best. Trust God for the rest. That's it. That's how I live my life. It's how I live my life. Do your best and trust God for the rest. Now, some of you will do pretty good with the second part. No, no, no. You've got to do the first part before you can do the second part. Don't forget to do the first part. Do your best. Do everything that is within your power. Do everything humanly possible. Do everything that you can possibly do. Do everything with excellence. Understanding what excellence is. Excellence is not doing it better than somebody else. No, excellence is doing the best you can with what you have. So do your very, very best. Do the very best that you possibly can. Do everything with excellence. Do the best you can with what you have. Oh, no holes barred, man. I mean, I mean, just do everything within your power. Do everything you can to make it right. Do everything you can and then trust God to do what you can't. Do your best. And then just trust God for the rest. My son is 147% melancholy. He's a perfectionist. He doesn't do well when things aren't perfect. And he was my worship leader. And one Sunday morning, the bass player didn't show up. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, and I love our bass player. Where's our bass player? I love you. And my son's out in the foyer. He's walking the full floor. He's calling the bass player. He's, oh, 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 man. I mean, we're about to start worshiping. We don't have a bass player. Oh. This isn't very smart what I did, but I said, yeah, son. We might just have to depend on the Holy Spirit today. I understand if you're a worship leader, you want everybody in place, and you want it all right. But you know what? There was nothing my son could do about it. His bass player is a great bass player, but he was habitually late. <laughs> my deal is, it's time to start. Get the sucker started. Let's have church. Whether the bass player shows up or not, amen, the Holy Spirit's going to show up. 
Amen. And what's, what is excellence? The excellence that day was to do worship the best you can without a bass player. Do your best. Do your very best. And then just trust God for the rest. Amen. What does the voice of experience tell us today? Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Decide to be happy. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. The wisdom writer says, here's what I have seen. If we can get the worship team back in place this morning very quickly. Here's what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink. And to enjoy. Say enjoy. enjoy. And to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun. All the days of his life which God gives him. For it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life. Because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? It's true, school can teach you much. Books can teach you much. They can't teach you everything. Much of our learning must come from experience. And I hope this morning, and many of you have more experience than I do, many of you are older than I am this morning, Many of you could tell me and teach me a lot of things. Thank God for the voice of experience. The voice of experience that comes through the Word of God. The voice of experience that God places in all of our lives. Our parents, our mentors, our colleagues, our mate. Father, I thank you for the Word of the Lord today. God, I just pray today, Lord, that we will not only hear the word that we have heard this morning, but I pray that we will heed. And Father, we will put into practice, Lord, the word that we have heard today. God, may we receive your word this morning. God, I pray for those, Lord, that are desperate in need of this word today. Lord, may they, may they grasp this word and hold on to this word. Take this word today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we worship this morning? There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. Tasted and seen of the fullness of love, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, 
Father, we praise you, we honor you, and we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're dismissed. If you're a guest with us, don't forget to turn in your connection card at our Welcome Center. God bless you. And don't forget to walk through the fellowship hall and check out our graduate tables as well. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence.
Lord 